0: History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that because you're already listening to a podcast.
2: What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised.
3: The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. (laughs) This is so weird.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I... (laughs) I got snowed in, in Maine. So, um, I'm, I'm on, I'm in Maine and catching. I miss in, you
2: so much.
1: I miss you so much.
2: But you sound great.
1: Well, all things considered, I think we will pull this off. Um, we, I did record my story before I left. Mm-hmm. So that's good anyway. But, uh, yeah, I, I forgot that in Bangor, Maine, it constantly snows. <laughs>
2: Uh, please describe your situation right now, because we are FaceTiming. This is the oddest setup for recording a podcast I've ever experienced or seen. So describe what's going on on your end.
1: Okay, well, I'm FaceTiming you, as you, as you mentioned, so the audio from my side is not going to be as good. Uh, but I've got a pillow fort that I've made in hopes to uh, keep the sound at least a little less echoey.
2: It is confusing and I just want to make sure that this works and I'm uh hopeful. Yeah. Question mark?
1: <laughs> well, if if you're hearing this right now, uh freaks, then uh Which it worked. They are. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs>
2: Anyway, I'm so glad that uh, you are safe and that there was no like incident. You just your flight was canceled and they didn't want to fly you home for another like six days. Is that right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. That was the problem. And I think it's a combination of things. Um, I think that snow of course number 1 course. but then i think it was combined with them just saying uh screw it with these gas prices i'm not going right
2: <laughs> well i can't say that i love it because i miss you terribly
1: if you were wondering why i had to leave without cat um i had to zip up for a family issue and uh it was just going to be for a couple of days but Here we are.
2: Thanks, Maine. Okay, so you've already recorded your story, so I'm going to pop that in, and then I'll do my story, and then we'll wrap this up together?
1: Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. Well, it's been said that something evil lurks in the deep forests in the town of Flatwoods in Braxton County, West Virginia. It was first spotted nearly 70 years ago, and there's little known about the Braxton County monster. The story begins on September 12th, 1952 in the forests of Braxton County.
2: That makes sense. Otherwise, it would be weird to call it the Braxton County monster if it lived (laughs) elsewhere.
1: That would cause a great deal of confusion. I would think. No one knows for sure what they saw, but one thing everybody agrees on is that the terror that was felt that night echoes down through the decades. Story goes like this. It was about 7.15 p.m. on that September night in 1952. Freddie and Edward May and their two friends Tommy Heyer and Neil Nunley were playing on the huge grass lawn in front of a, of the Flatwood Elementary School.
2: Were they playing tag?
1: Could be. Could be tag. Could be kick the can. Just as dusk was settling, they saw a bright light in the sky. They'd later say it appeared to them as though something had crashed in the nearby woods owned by Bailey Fisher, who farmed nearby. Now the May's house was closest, so they ran home and described what they had seen to their their mother, Kathleen. And then Kathleen notified their neighbor, uh, whose name was Eugene Lemon, and he was a National Guardsman. So they all proceeded to go to what they thought may have been a crash site to determine what had happened. So the first thing they noticed upon arrival was a very strange metallic-like smell hanging in the air. Hmm. They could also hear a series of very high-pitched noises repeatedly coming out of the darkness. They pressed on, and the smell in the air increased, and the sounds grew louder. And then, stepping out of the darkness, they claimed to have seen a creature that they estimated to be 10 feet tall.
2: Jeez Louise.
1: Yeah, real tall. They described it as wearing a metal-like dress covering with a spade-shaped hood or head. They described this, the creature's hands as being clawed and twisted.
2: But this creature was also, like, wide, right? So he was proportionate, not just tall and skinny and creepy?
1: Uh, pretty tall and skinny and creepy. Oh. B- based on the photos. Or not the photos, the the artist's conception. They described the creature's eyes as glowing orange in color. The creature itself seemed to float above the ground. Oh, And it glided back and forth, making a hissing sound. What the heck? I would have shit myself. (laughs) Right there in the forest. Does Jethro shit in the forest? Well, in this case, the answer would be yes. (laughs) They were all terrified, and they beat a hasty retreat. Lemon and May... I'm sorry,
2: real quick. They what, what?
1: They beat a hasty retreat...
2: What? What does that even mean? What is that? What is that? What kind of phrasing is that? You've
1: never heard that phrase? Beat
2: a hasty retreat?
1: Yeah, it's like, cut them off at the pass. (laughs) No. (laughs) Once they returned, uh, after they beat a hasty retreat, Lemon and May notified local law authorities, and they searched the area all night, but were not able to find anything matching the descriptions or the story that the terrified witnesses had conveyed. Uh, Those in the group, over the next several days, not only suffered from obvious emotional distress, but physical distress as well. They all began vomiting. They felt nausea and throat irritation. These conditions lasted for several days and then just disappeared.
2: Those conditions beat a hasty retreat?
1: (laughs) Yep. At about the same time, Mrs. Agra Harper, who also lived in Flatwoods, reported to law enforcement seeing a similar creature not far from the Fisher farm where that uh, previous incident had taken place. She said she was walking along with friends heading to a nearby store, but instead of going the normal route, which they usually took, they decided to take a shortcut through the forest. Mm. About a half a mile in, they saw something glowing on the ridge of a hill. They described it as looking like a fireball just sitting on the ground. As she watched the fireball, it slowly disappeared and in its place stood, as she described it, a tall humanoid-shaped creature. Harper and her friends, of course, were terrorized and fled. They beat a hasty retreat, too, says right here. Still, there were more sightings. Edith and George Snatowski were driving through the rural area between Braxton and Clay County with their 18-month-old son. As they were driving along, their car suddenly stalled. Of course, out in the woods.
2: Of course.
1: It was completely deserted, and uh, it was dark. They, they couldn't get the car to restart. As they were sitting there assessing their situation, trying to figure out, make a plan uh, what they were gonna do, they reported becoming increasingly aware of, a, of an extremely foul smell. And then their baby, who had been sound asleep, startled awake and began to cry. And not just the cry of a baby who wants attention or needs something. This was a different kind of cry. It was the cry of sheer terror. And right at that moment, the darkness started to fade away and a strange bright light illuminated the area around them.
2: Do babies feel terror?
1: I think that probably the terror a baby feels when they come out of the womb is unmatched throughout the rest of their life.
2: <laughs> what what is the this? fuck?
1: <laughs> they claimed that just ahead of them on the road was a creature they estimated to be about 10 feet tall standing in front of the car. They described this creature as wearing a metal dress. Oh. But in this case, it did not have a spade shaped hood. Instead, they described the head of this creature as, quote, bony and reptilian.
2: Wow. Now, had either of the parents in this situation like been drinking or anything? Because the first (laughs) scenario was like a bunch of kids and they were all, you know, kids. And then the second scenario was a woman who took a shortcut. And these seem like they could be like moral lessons. You know and that's why we don't take a shortcut (laughs)
1: right yeah no no indication that anybody was drinking um
2: they were married though right yeah
1: well uh, yes they were mr and mrs snitowski and their 18 month old baby and then as quickly as the sightings took place they ended the september 12th incident was intensely investigated but no evidence of a crash or a monster was ever found But the story remains and has been told and retold over the decades with some of the residents that claimed to have witnessed it still alive. A man named Joe Nickel from the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry conducted his own investigation in 2020. Now, I know what you're thinking. With a name like Committee for Skeptical Inquiry, Mm -hmm. he's going to claim it's an alien. No. He said as crazy as the story is, it's explainable. Oh? He said... It was likely... Wait,
2: Committee for Skeptical... The CSI? CSI, yeah. (laughs) Okay, please continue. He
1: said, it was likely the bright light seen on September 12th was a meteor. The pulsing red light seen by the group could have been a hazard beacon or even a navigation light from an aircraft. And in fact, on September 12th of that year, there had been a meteor that was observed in Pennsylvania, Maryland, and West Virginia. Okay. And there was a flashing red aircraft beacon that could have been seen in that area, in the area of the sightings as well. Okay. But what about the creature itself? Right. According to Nickel, it was probably an owl. (laughs) Yep. Wait. (laughs) 10-foot owl.
2: Wait, is this like a a staircase kind of situation? (laughs) I don't
1: know. (laughs) Uh, He said that the owl uh, was magnified due to shadows, and it also could have been that the perception of the witnesses Was distorted because of the high level of anxiety that they were feeling. Okay, sure. That would, of course, explain the clawed hands, and the glowing eyes, and maybe even that it
2: appeared to float. I guess. But I mean, is Joe Nichols really someone that we want to listen to? I don't know. I mean his his hits are like tequila makes her clothes fall off, and (laughs)
1: it's a you know it's it's a different different. Joe, Someone that I want to trust. It's Joe Nichols. This is Joe Nickel. He was right about the tequila, though. That's enough. It seems reasonable that uh, this could be the case, but there are other elements that just don't line up. What caused the smell, for example, or the glowing fireball that was clearly seen sitting on the forest floor? And was the,
2: that a meteor? I mean, do meteors smell bad?
1: I've never sniffed a meteor.
2: So many questions remain.
1: (laughs) Also, the creature that the Snatowskis saw in front of their car, they claimed it had a reptilian head. How could they have mistook an owl for something like this? And then there's this. Even though it's been more than 70 years since this incident... People still say, on or around the 12th of September each year, they can smell something foul and metallic in the air and hear a hissing sound coming from the woods. So whether the Flatwood Monster is real or not, it certainly left its mark in this area. The town has officially been uh, designated, quote, home of the green monster. I always thought that was Fenway Park. (laughs) They also celebrate Flatwood Days. It's a festival. They celebrate every year in the memory of the monster. Oh, uh, there's also a Flatwoods Monster Museum dedicated to the to the sightings. Even though no more sightings of whatever this was, the uh, the legacy lives on.
2: Do they have monster-related events at the festival?
1: I'm not really sure, but I think we should put it on our list of uh, potential festivals that we visit.
2: I'm absolutely interested.
1: I also find it interesting that uh, it was described as an owl, that the explanation was that they had seen an owl. Right. There is a book out, and I haven't read it yet, but it talks about the increased frequency of owl sightings in and around uh, things that we perceive as paranormal or perhaps alien aircraft, UFO sightings, things like that. Mm,
2: the owls are not what they seem.
1: Exactly. David Lynch was onto something. Anyway, I'm going to get that book and read that and then I'll report back to you. Okay. Okay. The Box
3: of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan Toth.
1: I've got to tell you, the longer we've had our aura frame, the more I love it. I have kids.
2: Pufferfish release a toxin when they puff out that is meant to impair the attacker so they can safely escape. Unfortunately, this does not work on dolphins. It actually gets dolphins high. So they purposefully freak them out to inflate them and then pass them around to their dolphin friends to get high. Because dolphins are dicks. We got an email from Mike, it says, First off, good morning. I wanted to give you guys maybe a slight chuckle for the day. While listening to the newest episode and hearing my name, I did the biggest fangirl squeal in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> now, we talked about Mike because he sent us a bag of Stirred Nerd coffee, and uh, this is coconut and caramel, and I, <laughs> the last time we mentioned it, I hadn't tried it yet, and I am thrilled to report that it's delicious. Um, In fact, it's uh, 4 p.m., and I'm drinking a cup of it right now, so that's probably not a good idea. But anyway, Mike says, keep in mind, I work in a warehouse where we manufacture vintage car parts. <laughs> so I had about 10 guys looking at me while I'm fangirling. Love it. I shared this episode with my friend who made the coffee and he is also very excited. Anyway, thank you so much for making me and my friends morning. I hope you enjoyed the coffee. And yes, as I have expressed, I sure did do, and will.
1: I love the idea we made somebody squeal while manufacturing vintage car parts.
2: Oh my gosh, I know. Also, um, there are a few vintage car sales places around here that I really think we should check out because I've got my eye on a Studebaker.
0: Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast.
3: If you're ever pulled over for speeding while listening to this podcast, just tell the officer about The Box of Oddities. He won't throw out the ticket, but we would love another subscriber. This is The Box of Oddities.
2: Well, it's been a while since we've taken the opportunity to talk about bananas medical treatments that used to be considered totally normal
1: oh okay you mean strange medical not not treatments in the world of medicine involving bananas
2: right no it's not like a potassium related thing or vitamin k what's i don't remember wait is that the same potassium is vitamin k i don't know wait is vitamin k just a drug or is that also now i'm confused oh man should i start this over
1: (laughs) no just go with it you're fine
2: well okay so malaria there have been of course a lot of strange historical treatments for malaria the further back we go in ailments this stranger the treatments are because the less we knew about the human body and sure. what illnesses actually were there was a magical treatment for malaria, recommended by a Roman physician in the third century. Patients were told that they would be cured if they wrote abracadabra over and over again on a piece of paper with one less letter on each line. So, you know, abracadabra, abracadabra, uh, abracadab. Uh, yeah, and so it made like a triangle with the the words until it all the way down to A, right? So you can picture sure. what's happening on this piece of paper. Yeah. and then they would tie that piece of paper with flax and wear it around their neck for nine days before casting it into a running stream.
1: Not eight, not ten, Mm-mm. but nine days. Yeah,
2: and that stream had to be running easterly keep that in mind
1: so you needed a compass too
2: yeah i mean it involves a lot
1: so complicated but
2: i mean i guess if you really don't want malaria you are willing to tie a piece of paper with abracadabra written over and over again onto a stream
1: yeah but it's just it's a lot of work for somebody who's exhausted with the malaria
2: that's true well you had another option according to this guy and that was to rub yourself with lion fat
1: oh well that sounds fun
2: yeah where do you get a lion though I don't know. Anyway, uh, British evangelist John Wesley, we've talked about him before. He had a lot of really interesting uh, theories when it came to illness. And he was talking about heart palpitations. No one wants heart palpitations. So he had a couple of suggestions. One, drink a pint of cold water, all right, right. sure. I mean, if nothing else, you're gonna be hydrated. It's important. Important. Um, Apply outwardly a rag dipped in vinegar. All right. Well, you're not going to end up smelling great, but it's probably cleansing. Probably doesn't
1: smell any worse than lion fat. That's true. Especially on a hot day. Uh,
2: But also, if you uh, had run out of other options and you had heart palpitations, uh, his other suggestion was to be electrified. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that So sounds, that'll help you. That sounds not good. But then again, John Wesley also suggested that people with toothaches be electrified. Um, hmm. Also, if you had epilepsy or paralysis or you were impotent or if you had tapeworms, you should be electrified.
1: That was his go-to. Uh, cure then
2: yeah general wellness you wanted to be just healthy overall Mm -hmm. get get yourself electrified (laughs) just (laughs) just just go get electrified yep mbd um rabies now we've talked at length about rabies and how many things were involved in rabies and facts about rabies that i didn't know before Um, but in the 1700s They were still learning a lot, and one of their treatments from the Book of the physic, written in the 1700s, they advised taking 40 grains of ground liverwort and 20 grains of pepper in a half pint of milk. Then you would combine that, drink it every morning, four mornings in a row, and then Take a cold bath every other day for a month.
1: I can see why you know. Even if that didn't work, after going through that process, you didn't care if you died. <laughs>
2: That's. I can see how. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in ancient Rome, people thought they could treat rabies in a number of different ways. Pliny the Elder we've talked about before, his suggestion for solving a rabies problem was to cut open the wound because obviously the place where you were bitten mm-hmm. by the rabid animal, that's where it needed to be treated. It didn't become a whole body problem. It was just where the wound was. It I was see. a real problem. Um, so you cut that back open and then you put raw veal on it and um, then you should just eat limes and hogs fat for a few days. Oh my God. And you should be okay.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, if that didn't work though, you want to continue after that with a concoction of wine and boiled badger dung. So, yeah, um, so <laughs> This, this again, reminds
1: me of the, uh, when we were talking about these types of treatments in the past, Um, One of the ideas to keep a person from becoming pregnant was to insert crocodile dung into their vaginas.
2: Yeah, that'll keep it out.
1: Well, yeah, it'll. (laughs) It's not a spermicide. It's just no one wants to do it with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it works.
2: (laughs) But okay, so we've got rabies covered, but not everything is as serious as rabies. That doesn't mean you don't want fixins. So let's say you've got chapped hands. Well, a man named Dr. Ritter has a cure. Um, if you have dry skin, you've gotta go outside with a, a rag filled with sour cream. You dig a hole, mm-hmm. you put the sour cream rag in the hole, leave it overnight, But then the next day you go and you unearth your rag full of sour cream and then apply the sour cream to your dry hands and they'll be fine.
1: That sounds lovely.
2: Yeah. Nothing like some, I don't even know how to say it to make it sound more ridiculous.
1: (laughs) I don't think you need to. There's no,
2: nope, nope. So dry hands covered.
1: Yeah. (laughs) With, with subterranean sour cream.
2: But what if you've got swollen eyes? No one wants to walk around with puffy eyes. So what you should do is um, take a crab and dig its eyes out Mm. and then throw the crab back in the water, which just seems rude, and then apply its eyes to the back of your neck. Um, Wow. So you want to go ahead and do that. Nothing, okay, there is no illness that that would be okay to be a treatment for. There's, There's. you'd never do that. I've
1: noticed that most of these uh, treatments...
2: Involve the murder of an animal? Yeah.
1: Well, not just that, but have the potential to smell really badly.
2: Oh, this is true. This is true. But sometimes in history, the illness itself was just as fantastical as the supposed cure. So, as we've talked about before, hysteria, it's derived from hystera, meaning womb in Greek. And, uh, of course, having a womb inherently made you weaker mentally and physically.
1: Well, science is science. Yeah.
2: Lady. Aristotle actually suggested that a woman was just a deformed or mutilated man. <laughs> <sighs>
1: Aristotle said that yeah
2: so if you're trying to figure out like what makes women so different why are they this way all the time so for Hippocrates and his followers there was a very simple explanation the wandering womb oh just
1: kind of gets up and toodles about
2: yeah that's yeah exactly The womb basically is an animal within an animal. It is an organ that moves itself hither and thither in the flanks. It's hungry for sperm and it's going to find it.
1: Okay. (laughs) And
2: in this womb tootling around doing its own thing, it could put pressure on other organs. It could head upward and downward, left and right, colliding with the liver or the spleen. Well, it's
1: no wonder women are so hard to get along with.
2: According to Aristasis, this could manifest in maladies like vertigo, a lack of strength, and, quote, the woman is pained in the veins on each side of the head. Hmm. Should the womb descend, there could be a strong sense of choking, a loss of speech and sensibility, and most dramatically, a very sudden incredible death. For a time, a woman who was unwell was said to be "woomy. Wo- me. really? <laughs> so according to some of these 4th century doctors, there were two go-to sources of treatment. One... Be-
1: beating a hasty retreat?
2: Beating a hasty retreat from that womb. It was coming after you, sperm. <laughs> Rar. Yeah. Her. One, of course, is sexual intercourse, especially if it resulted in pregnancy, mm. uh, because a pregnant womb is a not-bored womb. It's, it's a happy it's womb. It's occupied, and if a womb is bored, that's when it's gonna go roaming around your body mm-hmm. looking for trouble. So basically a woman should be pregnant as often as possible, and therefore your womb's gonna be kept in its rightful place. Sure, But there were other treatments, of course, and that usually had to do with the womb's strong sense of smell. Hmm. Yes, the womb has a weakness. It delights in fragrant smells, according to Aristasis, and it advances toward them. It also has an aversion to bad smells and flees from them. So obviously if your womb, tootling about, if you've discovered that your womb has moved upward and is causing this choking thing, you wanna put some roses near the vag hole. (laughs) So that way the womb will move back down toward the roses, but maybe the womb's too far low. Maybe it's crushing your liver or something. So you wanna make sure that you put some animal dung toward the vagina Mm -hmm. and that will make the womb scootle upward away from the the organ that's being crushed. Boy, I am being serious. People
1: in the olden days were dumb.
2: I mean,
1: Aristotle was an idiot. <laughs>
2: Now, there was a Byzantine physician by the name of Paul of Aegea, who proposed a cure. His was for a broken womb, which could mean that it was too tootally, or it could mean that there was a buildup of menstrual blood or Uh, any number of other things that could be wrong with a womb. You know, there's always something. Just
1: needs to be drained like an igloo cooler.
2: So, no. So, his suggestions were, make the lady sneeze. Because if there's a buildup of something, you know, the sneezing will get rid of it. Well, I guess. I
1: I sometimes pee a little bit when I sneeze, so I think it's scientifically sound. Sound, yes. I think it's
2: sound. His other suggestion was to shout at her. <laughs> just. <laughs> just. Ah! <laughs> I wonder, like exactly that. Was it just yelling? sound was it was it the sounds of yelling mm. or was it specific things that he was shouting <laughs> was he insulting her
1: you're ugly get out that'll, evil
2: womb bits
1: that'll be 12 shillings give it i don't know what they'd charge for a womb yelling session
2: follow up would you yell at the woman's face or would you go in and yell uh, the other way and just <laughs> scream into her vagina like a bullhorn
1: hello hello Anybody at all? Now batting first. first center first All right, that's
2: enough. Okay. I got my information from The New Yorker, from Mental Floss, Wired.
1: Womb Yelling Monthly?
2: Yes, and Womb Yelling
1: Monthly. I love it. And I love the fact we are just a few weeks away from our next live show is How was that for a segue? Was that better than last time? It was fine. Okay. Oh,
2: speaking of live shows, I did get a couple of outfits when you were gone, and uh, maybe we could FaceTime later, and I can do like a fashion show for you. Ooh. Yeah, and you can help me pick out what I'm going to wear in Nashville, Huntsville, Alabama, and Charlotte. All
1: right. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) Me too. In the meantime, you guys, we'd love to see you there. Tickets are on sale. Go to theboxofoddities.com. And uh, you can pick them up right there. We'll see you next time.
2: Until then, keep flying that freak flag.
1: Fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so let it be known that
3: the box of oddities belongs to you, and its fate is in your hands. Henceforth, the box of oddities commits to the telling of stories—stories stories of the strange, the bizarre the unexpected we wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage the box of on facebook at facebook.com slash box of oddities podcast on twitter at box of oddities and instagram at box of oddities podcast copyright 2022 all rights reserved
0: history
2: but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie with your the
0: neighborhood social scientist and reader of books, as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries, murders by gaslight, and of course, women
3: who have been misrepresented through all time. On Who Did What Now, the history podcast that's
2: not your history class. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.
0: If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one?